0: Hi, and welcome to the Dress At Channel. We are so glad you're joining us. God has a place and a purpose for you, and we hope this message helps you find that and know how much He loves you. Thanks for stopping by, and enjoy the message. I'm tell- we've had our fair share of things happen here. We walked in on Saturday uh, a few weeks ago, and there was water pouring from the ceiling in the back hallway, and uh, that was a week after we had seen water pouring from another place down a wall in the back hallway, and... Um, So I've kind of gotten to a point where when I see water spots and things on the floor, I'm like, oh, no. Uh, But I'll tell you what, there were a ton of uh, little footprints down the hallway that were wet. And uh, there's nothing better than seeing that kind of um, wet spots in the hallway uh, when you get to see people be baptized. That was just the coolest thing ever. And I'll never get over it. So um, sorry, that was my personal moment that I needed to have with me in front of everyone. (laughs) So I guess we did that. Uh, Hey before we dive in I want to tell you really quick. We're very excited because um, we I guess now are announcing uh, We're going on a marriage retreat um, In February, which is going to be really incredible. I want you to go ahead and start putting some money away for it There's more details coming in the next few weeks, but here's what I can promise you It's not going to be like your typical marriage retreat Um, it, It is for married couples so sorry kids you can't come Obviously, that'd also be really weird to watch your parents kiss, but um, there we are. All right, somebody's with me. Uh, but we're gonna go and celebrate uh, without a lot of super intense classes. We're just gonna go and spend a weekend um, and worship Jesus together and have a really great time. And I got, I just got news for you the place we're going, I'm not ready to announce yet, but. If for nothing else, you should go because you will never be able to stay at a place this nice for this cheap ever again. Um, But it's going to be really incredible. We're going to go for a whole weekend, a caravan back here for church on Sunday. It's going to be awesome, and that's all I'm going to say about it right now. But it's going to be the end of February, so get ready. More details coming on that. Um, So I'm going to start with a joke today. Is that cool? You guys good with that? All right, good. Uh, You know, Halloween was this weekend. If you lived in my neighborhood, it was last night for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I guess kids can't stay up late enough to go Halloween trick-or-treating when the sun goes down at 730 But uh, I thought maybe this would be a a good opportunity to throw a little fun Halloween joke at you So here's what it is. Photographer goes into a haunted castle, right? He's hanging out. He wants to get a picture of a ghost on Halloween because that's when you do that kind of thing Um, and so he turns out he finds a ghost he encounters him and The problem is, is he's really nice, he's like Casper, just a really kind ghost, he's really friendly, and he doesn't have to catch him coming through a shadow, he just says, hey, I'll be happy to pose for you. So the photographer's pumped, excited, he's like, gets him ready, gets all the lighting just right, and snaps a photo, guy goes home and he's excited, he's like, man, I'm gonna get famous. People are not going to believe I have a real picture of a real ghost. I'll never have to work a day in my life again. And he puts it on his computer and he finds out (sighs) the photos are too dark and and it's nearly blank. And the moral, the biblical moral of this story is that sometimes the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So there it is. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. (laughs) That's more for Nathan Wilkie because I know he'd enjoy that so much. Yeah, it's good. It's good, right? Spirit is willing, but the flash is weak. (laughs) I'm so sorry I did that. But man, hey, but I'm so excited getting off of that. I'm so excited to share this next season with you guys. Today we start our brand new series called Eight Days. And if you can believe it, this series is going to end on the Sunday before Christmas. Not because it's a super long series, but because y'all, Christmas is almost here. I don't know if you noticed, but November is yesterday. Two days ago, actually um is that bananas to anyone else yeah i remember just like praying for school to start right like the depth of my prayer was me on my knees sobbing like please let my kids go to school i don't have anything left in me lord please now we're coming up on christmas break when i'm gonna do the same thing um no, but we're, I'm so excited to start this series um, because the, the kind of hope was instead of having a typical like, Thanksgiving series, we talk about what we're really thankful for, and then Christmas, and we talk about the spirit of giving, like give to the church, give to this, and then you can give Christmas. I just thought maybe that's a little overdone, and so we're going to take this next eight weeks, and we're going to instead talk about what it means when you're waiting on God. Like, what does it mean to actually wait on God, right? Because we have this idea of plans and what we want, right? We go to Burger King, we get it our way, or Wendy's, if you're smart, because it's delicious. Wow, okay. That was a stronger response than I anticipated. Um, yeah. But I felt really hard-pressed as I was praying. I hey, I felt really hard-pressed as I was praying last few months. What is going on? We okay? (laughs) It's the Lord. (laughs) Whoever said that first, repent. That's the first thing you should do. No. Um, I think we're good. Uh, No, I I felt really hard pressed um, as I was praying to, to take our church through this idea of the exodus because everything we've done has been waiting. You know, we in our church's history. When we started the idea of planting a church, we had to wait. It was like a year long process. And then we were at a CrossFit gym and it was really cold and we were waiting. And then we had to go to a middle school. And let me tell you, you want to learn about provision and patience and waiting? Plant a church at Northwest Middle School. I was waiting, more so waiting for God to say stop, um, or waiting for people to come, or waiting for the heat to be on, any of those things we were waiting for. Um, those are funny, but also true stories. Uh, but I, I think what I really felt like we needed to be talking about was what that wait looks like and the hardship and the joy in that waiting. Because we've got this idea in Christendom that when God is moving, it's just really easy to get in the car. It's like you just sit in the car and he's already got the keys going. And all you got to do is put it in drive and he'll take you where you need to be. And I don't think that's what it means, I don't think that's necessarily how God really works. Sometimes he does, and it's great, right? Like, when you can see the exact pathway God has you on, then you're going to be pumped. It's like, okay, this is awesome. I'm ready. I'll take these steps. But sometimes it gets really hard, or sometimes God starts it and then stops you, and it feels kind of like spiritual whiplash because things are going really well, and then all of a sudden they're not. And I don't know that we've talked enough about how to walk through that. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about waiting for Jesus as we celebrate The coming of Jesus. Um, And so I thought in order for us to celebrate our first Christmas Eve service, it'd be really good to know what it's like to anticipate that. Because yes, this Christmas Eve, we will have our first Christmas Eve service, which is going to be super fun. And we're going to laugh a lot, and it's just going to be a good time, and I hope you're ready. We're going to sing songs. Um, I have a pretty scary vision. I'm going to give the whole staff tomorrow about it, but it's fine. Um, But it's going to be a great time. And we actually get to celebrate Christmas Eve this year. We didn't get to last year, so I'm pretty pumped about that. But as we walk through this exodus and this waiting, idea of waiting on God, we, we can kind of find ourselves in the same vein as the people of Israel who are waiting for a Messiah. Um, so I thought that'd be fun. And I, I'm not against the Christmas season. Like, I don't want you to be up here and be like, well, it's Christmas, you know, like, where, where's all the candy canes and... What are we gonna do? Why aren't we seeing Christmas carols yet? Like I want you to know I don't hate Christmas I actually love Christmas in the proper timeline and those of you who have begun celebrating Christmas y'all need to chill Let's have Thanksgiving first but man We're talking this morning. Everybody's on. Everybody's on me. Um, No, I'm not against I'm actually all about Christmas and capitalism like I'm okay with that I I don't (laughs) Sam I, I don't mind what Starbucks puts on their cups Um, Their mission is not to love Jesus well. It's to give kind of okay coffee at large capacities. Um, In fact, one of my most favorite things to do is on Black Friday, I'm the guy who will go out on Black Friday. um, And it's not to buy things. It's because it's hilarious. And all all the places you've heard like, hey, don't go to this place. Those are the places to go. Like go to the Walmart in the sketchy area. It is incredibly funny. I went there to get a TV last year. It was awesome. Because people weren't fighting over TVs, they were fighting over socks and DVDs. <laughs> you ever see people fight over like 35 cent socks? It is amazing. Incredible. But I, I love that. I love going out and like seeing the plan come to fruition where you have that one mom who's a little more hardcore than the other moms that are hanging out with her, but they know that she's gonna get the job done right. So she develops this plan with a full like, line board. And she's like, you'll go here, Susie, to the electronics department. Bobby, you're going to go to the sports section. We need new fishing poles. I love seeing that mentality come. My very first day working in the retail business was at Best Buy on Lawrence Road. Anybody remember those days? Anybody out there? Me? Okay, good. Um, so it used to be on Lawrence Road. Thank you. My very first day at Best Buy, I had one day of training, and I was a cashier on Black Friday. Yep, yep, and this is like 1998. So internet, like, I didn't existed, but not in the way it does now. Y'all, we had a line. We, we opened up at I think 5 a.m. and we had a line at midnight. I had to get there at 2:30 and sat at a receipt or a, a register for two and a half hours. And I want to tell you, I cried and laughed. I felt like I was at a tragedy on Broadway with all my emotions doing this. But it was the funniest thing ever. I'll, I'll never forget. There was a guy who uh, tried to hide a desktop computer in his cart under candy, just full thing of candy, and thought, like, I'm not going to scan all that candy, and then was amazed when I actually went in and found the computer, and he was like, oh, I don't know how that got there. I'm like, bro, you put it there and tried to steal it. That's how we got there. Um, no, I, I, love, I just love all of that that exists. So um, I'm a big fan of that. But uh, what's interesting is... Um, is you also see kind of the worst in people in those moments as well. And you know what the whole thing is all bent around? Jesus. And waiting. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Like it, It's when we celebrate Jesus coming, that's what we do. And people are fighting over underwear. I don't, I don't, that's not something you want to see on a Thursday. But we do. And so... And having this idea of what we want to talk about, what we want to get to in this whole plan of eight days, I think the important thing is understanding that God's plan is a good plan, even when it's not your plan. And so these eight days we're going to talk about is just that. One of my favorite things about the Exodus that you never hear is that when the people got out of Egypt and then went to the mouth of the river, do you know what God said? Anybody? Anybody? he told them to wait they were at the mouth of the river right at their deliverance and God said stop camp now I hate camping so I already would have fought God on this but it's true I just do if you ask me to go hiking I will lovingly tell you no and invite you to coffee instead so but it's not just that he told them to wait and camp do you know how long they had to wait eight days that's where we we got you guys seeing the connection now that's yeah, there it is. Light bulbs everywhere. I, if I was better, I would have had you like pop the lights up here in that moment. But yeah, eight days where we got that. That's as bright as I go. That's fine. Um, but there it is. That's because he's mad at me about not having my microphone on. Um, but what do you do when, when God is like, has you at the point of deliverance and readiness and he says, stop, wait. Wait. He says, I'm going to leave you here for eight days so that you can watch Pharaoh and and your enemies pursue you and get closer and closer and closer to overcoming you. And then God says, Go. So we're going to talk about those eight days. And Exodus is God is ready to bring his people out of Egypt. And he says, Wait. So, in order to get to that point, we're going to be in Exodus 4 this morning. Um, right at the very start. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there. It's the second book of the Bible, so it's on the very front end. Or if you have our app, which you should download because it's much easier. We have sermon notes in it as well. You can go there as well. But this is what's happening while you're getting there. Um, The first step of waiting on God is receiving the call. And so we want to talk about what it means to receive the call. And so in Exodus 3, there's this very famous scene known as Moses and the burning bush. Anybody heard of that before? Yeah, so Moses is hanging out. All of a sudden, there's this bush on fire, but it's not being consumed by the fire. So Moses is like, I'm going to go check that out because that's weird. I guess it's like the train wreck of his day, right? So he goes, and the Lord meets him and says, hey, where you are is holy ground. Take off your shoes. Don't come any closer. You can hear my voice from here. I have something for you. And in Exodus 2, God's people have been waiting for 430 years the king of Egypt has just died and the people are complaining and they're saying get us out of this slavery get us out of this death camp and God hears their, aunt, hears their crying and then sees Moses and in chapter 3 this is what he says right at the end of chapter 3 no I'm sorry I I lost my place. How about that? It's okay. I'll just say what it is. So, um, God, I totally lost my place. So, God actually sees Moses, who is a shepherd at the time, a pastor's kid at that. His father in law was the uh, head priest of Midian. And God picks him and says, Moses, I want you to go and deliver my people out of Egypt. You guys may have seen heard the song, Let My People Go. Anybody heard that? Are you with me? Let my people go. Anyone? Some of you sang it, yeah? Some of you were in those plays back in the 90s where nothing goes right and trees fall. And so Moses is keeping this flock, and, and, and God calls Moses and says, hey, I want you to be faithful and to go let my people out. Go lead them out. And so in this moment, the thing we need to understand as we look forward in this is that what God does is that God uses normal people to fulfill his most extraordinary plans. And, and if, you're, if you're maybe waiting on God, the first thing to know is that it might be he's already told you what to do and he's waiting on you to take the first step. But Moses, being a person, being scared, being a simple shepherd, a pastor's kid, Scared. Have you guys ever felt like you had, had a clear vision or like the Lord laid something on you? Or maybe not. You just felt like it was what you are supposed to do, but it's incredibly terrifying. Anybody been there? Yeah, I got news. You're sitting in one. But Moses is just watching sheep doing what he's supposed to do. Doing what his family line would lead him to do. And God puts a burning bush out there and uses it to say, Moses, I want you to do one of the most incredible things that people are going to know in the history of time forever. But when God calls us those things, it's because he's waiting on us to be obedient. And how many times have you guys heard or felt like you were waiting on God and you knew exactly what you needed to do, but it was just really scary until you tried to argue your way out of it? Anybody done that? Anybody been stubborn with the Lord before? Yeah. So the very first part of chapter 3, he was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led them to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, also known as Mount Sinai. So that's where you are right now. That's where we are. And as this bush comes, Moses is drawn to it. And he receives this calling that is incredibly scary. That's incredibly hard. And I love what Moses does. Moses does what all of us do which is why I think when you read the Bible, it's so wonderful because you can find yourself in it. Moses argues with God. Now, in my world, this was called fighting with your mom um, because that's who she was in our house. And she was scary. Um, And she would set things on fire if she needed them to. I'm just kidding. I want to see if anyone was awake because I know it's hot in here. Some of us are? Okay. But, but God calls Moses this thing, and the first thing Moses says, this first response in chapter 4, is that he can't do it. He says, but behold, they, God's people, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say the Lord did not appear to you. So God calls Moses and says, listen, I want you to go to my people. I want you to tell them that you're going to bring them out of Egypt. And I want you to ask them to follow you. And Moses' first response is like, no, but they're going to say no. Like, they're not going to listen to me. I don't look like you. I don't sound like you. Fun fact, Moses was Egyptian. And he's like, if I go, they're not going to Listen. Moses' first response is to say, I'm not good enough. His first response. And church, my question for you as we walk through this series, as we start this morning is, if God has called you to something, to do something, to take steps that are maybe really, really hard, why is it that our first response is the same of like, listen, they they won't believe me. what is God calling you to that you're actually disqualifying yourself for and saying no people won't follow me I'm too young I'm too new one of my favorite things that happened this last week and a half I was at the beach that's not my most favorite thing but it was a pretty good one I was at the beach and I get this message that pops up that Kanye West has released a new album called Jesus is King yeah yeah I know you've probably already heard the news, so I don't have to repeat that. That's Kanye West and Jesus is King. If you don't know Kanye, um, he gave us some great hits like Gold Digger, which I'm not going to sing. (laughs) And now, Kanye West is leading a church that has thousands of people coming to it and releasing an album. About how Jesus is king and the gospel changes his life. And you know what the response of Christendom is? It's killing me. Do you know what the response is? It's a money grab. I, I, I literally had a guy who um, is not a follower, not a believer at all who responded because I put something up about Kanye West and he was like, it's a cash grab. And that had a girl who's a Mormon, which is fine, but she needs Jesus. So, like, hey, I'm, I'm just waiting on Kanye to be like, hey, it's a cash grab. And I'm going, man, people just are so cynical. Here's Kanye saying, like, man, Jesus radically changed my life. And people are like, ah, he's in it for money. Ah, it's not real. He doesn't really care. And I was like, okay, well, those are people who aren't believers. I get that. And then, like, two hours later, I get a message at, like, 1145 at night from a guy who's another pastor and like six states away who said, hey, man, um, I love you. I'm your brother, which is always the first way that they're going to like knock you down a few pegs or try to, you know. It's called the hamburger effect. You tell someone what you love about them and then the meat of what you're saying and then what you love about them so it doesn't hurt as much. Don't do that. That's the worst. And I know what you're doing so you can't fool me. So, hey, man, I love you and I'm your brother and I'm like, great, because you haven't called or emailed or written me a message in three and a half years, but It's fine things have changed a little bit (laughs) because I I just think it's really dangerous it's really dangerous for you to talk about you know Kanye West and this new album and you know like that you know he might mess up and I was like yes exactly he might mess up you're right and I wrote back to him and I was I was a little cranky um and I wrote back to him and I was like yep I got news, I hope you don't mess up anytime soon. And that was it. And then I put on my wall, I hope Jesus doesn't define me the way he does Kanye, or condemn me, I think. And I was like, that's exactly it. Because this guy who was a rapper who met Jesus has actually sat and said like, hey, listen, I don't care what you think of me, um, Jesus is king. And the gospel is real, and it changed my life. And our first reaction is to be angry toward him, and to condemn him, when you know what the reaction of the angels in heaven is? They are singing songs. They might be singing Jesus King. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? If I get up there like, you're my Chick-fil-A, <laughs> number one in the lemonade, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I've got news for you. But, but here's what Kanye Kanye West is showing us that we are doing a bad job of, not disqualifying himself. And yet we find Moses saying, What if they don't listen to me? They might. They might not. But man, but Jesus is still king. And so, church, as as we walk through this idea of calling, I'm going to push you to struggle really hard over the next few weeks with what God's calling you to. Because this is great, but it's not good enough. God has so much more in store for this place, and I'm going to push you, so get ready. But there are four things that I want you to remember as, as we consistently, purposefully walk through these ideas. And the first thing is this, is that your calling is not, I'm sorry, so your calling is created and given by God, not by other people. Exodus 3 we talked about this in verse 10 it says come and I will send you God speaking I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people the children of Israel out of Egypt but Moses said to God who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and I love this in chapter 3 and verse 13 I know I said 4 but we're going to get there then Moses said to God if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name, what shall I say to them? Remember, it's God that calls you. It's God that forms your call, not people. This is what God says. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. This is so cool. This is what God actually says. If you go back in the Hebrew, it's Yahweh. They didn't use vowels, and they wouldn't even say the name of the Lord. And so God literally says that this is who he is. He says, I am who I am who will be with you. So Moses says, hey, when I go and tell these people about the calling you gave me, and they say you're not real, what am I supposed to say? And God says, remind them that I am exactly who I always have been and that I have not failed all my promise to them to deliver them, and you're who I sent." That's literally what happens in the, in the context of the, of the Hebrew. That's what he says. He says, I'm the God of the promise, and his promise is not to fail people. And it's this reminder that God is is self-existent. He doesn't depend on anything or on us. It's that he is the creator, the sustainer. He is immutable. He is unchanging. His plan for you and for I and for Israel in this moment is that he is going to deliver on the promise because he is exactly who he says he is. And he is the person who gave Moses the call to bring the people to freedom. You guys follow that huge train there? Because you're calling is created and given by God. And if anyone ever looks at you and says, hey, I have a calling for you, you need to run the other way. Because that's manipulation. But God puts calls into us. He gives us purpose and things that identify us, that change us. And he says, when people ask you about your call, your response is, God is who he is and he's called me to this. That's why you do what you do. If anything you're doing right now is not because God called you to it, stop. Because when it's hard, when it's not easy, when people look at you and when they throw a disdain your way, when they don't support you, when they lie to your face, you're going to have nothing to fall on except for what you think people wanted you to do unless you are doing what God has called you to do. Because when God has called you to do it, it doesn't matter. And so when people say, who do you think you are? Who sent you? God tells Moses, tell them, I am who I am sent me. Second is this, and moving into Exodus 4. God reminds him of what he's supposed to do, and says, Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? I love that. Isn't that so good, man? Jesus does this in the Gospels all the time, too. People ask him direct questions. Like, hey, who's the greatest? He's like, look at this little kid over here. It's so frustrating. I just want a straight answer. But it's like, listen, I'm going to go, and they're going to say, hey, you don't speak to God. There's no way God showed up to you, right? Disqualify him as a person. He's like, what am I supposed to do? And God goes, what are you holding? second thing for us is that your calling is not validated by other people's opinions. Moses is scared more of what people might say than what God actually told him to do. Do you catch that? We're going to get into the staff here in a minute. But this is what, God, this is what Moses says to God. He goes, listen, they're not going to listen to me. Like, What do I do? What do I do when I look at someone and I say, I'm doing this because the Lord told me to. They're like... Poof. You know what that is? Church, that's because they, that Moses is more scared of what people might say than what God has called him to do. do are you catching that with me? Anybody following? Because Moses is more scared of what people would say than what God told him to do. He puts more power in what people would doubt him to say than it is of what God actually said, this is what you should do. Does that drive anyone else crazy? Does that drive anyone else to a place where you're like, crap, that's absolutely me? Right here. Yeah. Because we're so scared of what people might think. You know when true relationship happens is when you stop worrying about what other people think because you know that they love you and care for you, for you. So Moses says, what if they don't listen? They're, they're going to look at me and they're going to say, there's no way, God doesn't speak to you. Do you know what that is? Let's, let's blow a mind here. That, that's racism. That's what, that's what happens here. Racism happens here. Because Moses didn't look like Israel, y'all, put an Egyptian up next to a Jew. Moses literally looks at them and says, "Hey, they're going to look at me and know, I don't look like a Jew. I don't look like God's people." and they're going, "There's no way God cares enough about you to speak to you." That's what happens. Racism happens. Is that crazy to anybody? Not like we see that in the church today, right? Anybody out there? I got a good friend here this morning who surprised me. It's an African-American pastor named Tim Pender. Tim, say hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> you ever experienced racism in the church, Tim? Never never, right? That's what Moses is scared of here, guys. Moses says, they're going to look at that guy and know he doesn't look like me and say there's no way God can speak to him. He doesn't look like and sound like we do. God says, God doesn't answer in anger and say, well, let's give them a clear theological understanding of the purpose of people and creation and that I've breathed breathe God I've breathed my life into you and given you purpose. He says, what's that in your hand? He's going to use what Moses already has to fulfill his purpose. Doesn't matter what his skin looks like or what his voice sounds like or his heritage. He just says, I'm going to use what you have in your hand right now to do exactly what I need to do. And so God says, what's that? Moses goes, it's a staff. Remember, what did he do? He was a shepherd, right? It's a shepherd. Moses says, throw it on the ground. God says, throw it on the ground. Moses throws it on the ground. What happens? Turns into a snake. And the most level-headed thing I've ever read in any part of Scripture, Moses runs. Moses, I got you, dog. I'm with you. I understand. 100%. I'm, I'm in Moses' playbook right now. I'm gone. We had snakes last week. For the, well, That sounded weird if it's your first time. Um, Laughter. We had an animal rescue come and hang out in our kids' ministry last week, and there was a snake. We didn't have snakes here, all right? Let's be clear. (laughs) Golly, I don't know what I'm doing. It's been great leading you guys. I'm out. Um, Yeah. Moses runs the other way, and God says, hey, look, go grab it by the tail and watch what happens. Now, outside of God's leadership and purpose, grabbing a snake by a tail is a bad idea. You know what that does? It tells the snake where you are. You know what happens? It bites you. You die. I don't care. Maybe it's not a venomous. In my mind, you die anyway. So. But God says, grab it by the tail and see what happens. Boom. Turns into a staff. And he says, oh, here's another one. Um, put your hand in your coat. Pull it out. Bam. Bright white. Put it back in your coat. Bam. Normal again. And he actually does another one, too, but we don't have time. So, but here, here's what happens is that when God calls you to something, he validates what your calling is, not other people. And he gives you the tools that you need to accomplish your calling. That's all you need to know. And sometimes it can be a staff in your hand. Sometimes it can be your hand. But you know what God does? He does two things. He shows Moses. He says, look, my call is good enough that you can follow it. And he also confirms it in him like, hey, You don't have to be good enough, your purpose and call, so I can use you. So know that I'm walking with you and watching out for you, which is why he shows him the staff and the hand. Because, guys, God will not ever call you into something and leave you. He won't. You want to learn about provision? Plant a church, right? (laughs) Um, No. You want to learn about provision? Come to a point where you can't depend on you anymore, and God has to show him, show up for you because he says he will. See, we've told ourselves that it can't, it's all what's out there. It might just not be the staff in your hand that you need to get through your day. We've decided it's everything that they have instead. <clears throat> the third point is this. Your calling is not defined by your personal gifting or limited by your shortcoming. Verse 10. So after all this, after God shows him three times, I know, I'm sorry, Megan, I'm going long. That was a joke. I said, I'm going to go for 20 minutes, and she said, yeah, right. Yeah, I was wrong. So after all this, Moses said to the Lord, my Lord, I'm not eloquent. Either in the past, I love this, either in the past or since we began speaking. Moses like, hey, um, yeah, okay, I get it, the signs, whatever. I'm not eloquent. Um, I wasn't then, and that hasn't changed since, you know, we first started talking at this bush. Like, hey, God, uh, nothing shifted in 20 seconds. Guys, man, this is why I love this story of Moses, because how many times have you been trying to do what it is God called you to? You do it one time, you're like, well, it didn't work. You know what that's akin to? That's akin to you being like, I'm going to go on a diet, have a salad at Outback, step on the scale, be like, nothing changed. I'm done with dieting. I shall die fat, happy, and with terrible cholesterol. (laughs) It's the same thing. Guys, it is the same thing. Moses literally says, I'm not eloquent, and I wasn't before I met you, and in the 20 seconds we've been talking, I'm not either. Nothing shifted. He's totally impatient that God is doing something within him to bring change into the world to this incredible plan he has for his people, this promise that his people have had for 430 years. Moses is like, yeah, I get that, the staff, the, the Nile going to blood, like the hand, and the, but I don't speak real well. I'm like, Moses, come to TR. You get along with everybody else here. Just kidding, guys. It was a joke. Jeez Louise. He so I'm never coming back to that church. I don't talk good, neither. That's okay. Another joke. He says, I'm not eloquent, either in past or since you've spoken to your servant, and I'm slow of speech and of tongue. See, we do a good job when God says to do something of disqualifying ourselves and saying, that's not my gifting. I love the Enneagram, big fan. Help me a lot. Come on up. Help me a lot. But that's not a response for you or a reason for you to be like, well... I'm a two, so I just hate people. <laughs> I have the one. The one hates people, yeah, but I'm a two, yeah. Right, my wife, who's a nine? Well, I'm a nine, so, you know, I, worst case scenario is just how I think all the time. It's not an excuse. But that's what we do here. That's what, that's what Moses says. He's like, listen, I'm limited. I don't speak real well. I'm a simple shepherd. And then Watch God's response. Then the Lord said to him, "Who has made Moses, or who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall speak. See, Moses has a call, he has a purpose, God has shown and confirmed he's with him, and he says, but also, you know, like, I don't, I don't speak really well, I'm slow, I'm not eloquent, because he knows when he goes and speaks to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's going to be around all the most eloquent people, the brightest, the smartest, the best, and he goes, I can't compare to that guy, it's not going to work. He immediately compares himself. He's like, I'm not good and I'm not as gifted as that guy, so my words are gonna fall flat. And God's response again is, You're thinking too small. Who made your mouth? Who do you actually believe God to be when He calls you to something? Who made your mouth? Who who made your tongue? Who gives people deafness or muteness or the ability to speak and have eloquence? Who does that? But see, the problem is that Moses has determined that his limitation is God's limitation. And guys, when God calls you to something, it's not. That's not how it works. God is not limited by your limitations. Because here's an idea. He gave them to you. Not everyone gets to have this incredible body that I have. That was a joke, but thank you. It's a very slimming sweater. Um, But God is not limited by your inability to speak well or to give because you don't have much or to serve because you don't like people that much. God is not limited by any of that. Instead, God says, who formed that part of you? Who gave you a tongue to speak? Who gave you a heart to beat? And don't miss this, this last thing this morning. Don't miss this. God will always give you what you need not what you asked for. After all this, Moses' response in verse 13 is this. But he said, now it's just after God said, I formed the mouth. But Moses said, oh my Lord, please send somebody else. I don't know, please. I love that he just gets to a point where he's like, I got nothing left. Just please send somebody else. Because God says, hey, you're going to go. Hey, here's your staff hey, I'm going to speak for you. And Moses is like, all right, I don't have any reasons anymore. I don't have any excuses. I just don't want to do it. Please just send somebody else. And God, instead of being mad and saying no and forcing him to go, says the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. Behold, he's coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. That's the best, isn't it? Like, hey, look, all right, I'm done. You're going to go. I'm going to send Aaron. I have great news for you. He just had a really good day. He's happy right now. So when you talk to him, know that, like, you know, he woke up on the right side of the bed. His dog came up. His house is clean. His bank account's full. He's very happy and healthy. Everything's going well. I put him in a good mood for you. He'll be glad in his heart, and you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I'll be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff from which you will do all the signs. See, church, when you are in a time of waiting... When you are waiting on God's calling, maybe it's just that you need to stop giving excuses and telling God you're not good enough and trust that he's called you, he will equip you, he will be with you, and he will give you all you need to accomplish his will. And your whole goal, all you need to do is shut your mouth and say yes and be obedient. Maybe that's all you need. But church, as long as we allow our calling to be this egocentric, make me famous, give me all that I need, I want to be comfortable, have health and wealth and prosperity. And As long as that is your goal, then you are eliminating your own calling and God is waiting on you to be quiet, shut up, and be obedient. There's eight days and this is only one. But church, you can't take step two if you don't take step one. So my question to you as we close, as we get ready to celebrate Lord's Supper is this. What is God calling you to? And what have you instead been telling yourself so that you don't have to be obedient? I can't answer that for you, but you have already answered it in your own heart. Because you know what you're not doing that God has called you to do. So my question is, what are you not doing that God is calling you to? And will you please stop bringing excuses and trust that God is going to call you. He's given you a call. That he's going to give you all you need and meet you. He is going to form your words and walk with you. And he will give you everything you need. Not what you want, but what you need. And that he will still do his will. Let me pray as we transition to the Lord's Supper this morning. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you call us to things that are bigger than us, that are hard, but that you remain faithful in. And Father, my prayer this morning... My prayer this morning is that you will be with us in that. That you will remind us of your goodness, that you will remind us that you do not leave us, that you do not forsake us, and that you are with us. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper today, as we end our service with this beautiful sacrament of reminding us that you are with us, of what you've done for us, I pray that you would help us to examine our hearts and to know what it is you've called us to. God, remove the excuses from our hearts remove our self limitations and let us instead be obedient to your goodness and your grace it's in your name we pray amen thanks so much for listening we hope you were encouraged by the message and you feel closer to christ than you ever have before if you'd like to learn more about our ministry visit us in person or help support our mission as we seek to love jesus serve others and live unified check us out online at trailside.church or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you again soon.